You're listening to Highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Gaia Vince, an award-winning science journalist, broadcaster, and author. Many of us don't have an experience of the wild. We want to save nature, uh, but we don't really have that experience. So I was wondering, how did witnessing life in those regions where people are vulnerable to changes in the weather and not completely masters of their environment, what did you learn from that? And how did that change your perception of the world? Yeah, so so anywhere there are humans, the question of what wild means is obviously up for debate because humans change their environment everywhere they go. But in parts of the world, people are much more vulnerable to climate change because they live much more on in a place where they are affected by it. They are living on the coasts as fisher people or they are living in the forests or they are dependent on their animals in a way that people in urban environments are not. But there are certain parts of the world where people are much more affected by climate change than others and, and the equatorial regions are getting hit by the impacts in a much to a much greater extent but so are the arctic regions. I've just actually come back from Lapland very recently and talking to reindeer herders who are seeing their way of life really changed because the the change in the weather means that, for example, instead of snow falling as it predictably falls always during um, the autumn and winter season, they're getting precipitation, they're getting rain falling, which then freezes and becomes ice. And that means that the reindeer are unable to clear the snow because they can't clear ice to get to their food. So they're starving and they're also having to go much much greater distances in order to get enough food they're having to migrate a lot further and that means the herders can't find them as easily to replenish them with bought food. I know another question that you've addressed in your books are I mean, I think you're excited about, and we're all excited about some of these geoengineering solutions. Like we, how do we fix the problems that we created in the first place? And it's it's lovely to hear about these solutions like biofuels created from sea kelp elevators in the oceans. And so what are your feelings about when you've seen firsthand some kind of these geoengineering solutions? You know, what are your feelings about our role in being a positive force for change. I think geoengineering is going to be um, entirely necessary because we have changed the planet's climate to an extent where it's actually threatening millions of people's lives. And I don't see much, much cause to hope that that's going to change anytime soon, certainly not in time to save lots of people. So if you mean solar reflectivity, for example, I think that certainly we should be talking about that and some researchers should be investigating it a lot more than they have to date, because I think we are going to have to rely on that to reduce the temperature. If we're talking about about restoration of biodiversity. Ecosystems can recover with minimal intervention or no intervention from us. In other ways, that's not true. They will have to be helped for various reasons, partly because we're changing the climate. We're also restricting habitat. We're changing water supplies and so on. So in order to get some sort of restoration of ecosystems, we, we are having to to look at introducing species back to places where they once were or or moving them to places where they are more likely to survive all those sorts of things humans are a species that modifies their environment that's part of what being a human is there are no humans that don't modify their environment 
what's happened recently is that we've dominated the planet the whole planetary system and we're changing things quite dramatically there but we've always we've always altered ecosystems that's that's what um humans do that's that's part of what it is to be a human i agree i think that if we can harness our intelligence that's been able to you know innovate in such ways but be respectful i think it's important i think there is that question mark when some of our solutions have to be done on such scale that's true some societies have managed to create much more balanced ecosystem over time you know it takes time they do that through very small populations and a lot of moving around a lot of migration there if 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 they don't do that it's very hard to not put pressure on a certain ecosystem and i don't think change is bad i don't think ecosystem change is bad i think what's happened now is that we've pushed we've we've pushed planetary systems to such an extent that we're actually threatening millions of lives because climate change is so extreme and and if you look at the trajectory that we're following it's going to be so bad that droughts extreme weather events you know terrible storms and flash floods just as we're having already we're already experiencing some of these are going to become so frequent and so devastating despite the extremity of climate change many people don't really feel the urgency of global warming what do you think is the most effective way to get people to care and support sustainable practices or advocate for environmental justice. The best thing that we can all do is vote, is use your, use your vote for people, for, for groups, for, for political parties, use your purchasing power vote for companies that take this seriously and make people aware. Write letters to your, your politician that's, that, that uh, represents you. Um, to make them aware that this is an important issue because we get a we get a small buzz every time there is a COP climate conference and then it shifts back down the radar of politicians a little bit but it needs to be kept up there and most people I've met do care and a lot of the progress that took place at the international meeting was off the back of young people like you coming together and demanding change from their government people who care about their environment marching outside with slogans it may feel like that doesn't make a difference but it makes a huge difference and in, inspirational people like greta thunberg like these uh, climate activists from india to the united states all coming together and demanding that politicians take this seriously has an effect over time it has an effect and i think largely the change any change that we saw was not the result of politicians suddenly having this like strange epiphany in the night it's to do with listening to the people they represent saying that this is important to them so so the alternatives are we keep the temperature down using large-scale geoengineering technology. We, we manage and enable mass migration strategies, which at the moment no one's even talking about, to move people from very, very dangerous zones to more habitable zones in the global. That means a huge system of city building. It means completely rethinking the way we talk about borders and immigration policy. 
you know, or we actually get real about mitigation climate change, which we're not doing at all. One thing that you identify there is that perhaps we could improve more our education systems at, at a very young age. You know, climate education is something, as you say, how how we live and are able to survive on this planet, you know, it's something that's not really properly addressed in, in many countries. What was your climate education, your environmental education? How did, you, and also how did you get on this journey that you that be, you became excited about and you want to be, you know, advocate, journalist? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. The way that people understand climate, biodiversity, water flows around the planet, geology, all of these things are very, very separate. And they're taught to us in very separate ways or not taught at all. And that needs to be changed, that needs to be joined up. And it's quite interesting that a lot of indigenous cultures where they still practice indigenous education, there isn't this huge separation between people and their environment that they, they are all seen as integrated and one of the part one of a part and the way that the climate works and the way that the seasons occur and the way that flowering occurs and insects come or go and different life forms live is all understood as part of an integrated system and I think what's happened is through specialization and increased, increased understanding of the science behind it, we've separated all of these practices in a way that they're not any more integrated in people's minds, whereas in reality, they are actually integrated. So people don't realize the effect. It's taken a very, very long time for people to understand that, for example, climate change affects water flows and so hydrologists who are studying one tiny bit of water don't study something a little bit upfield which completely which com completely affects their own field of study you know this understanding that everything is apart doesn't happen until quite often postgraduate level it needs to be it needs to be understood in primary school we need to understand how humans are integrated into this planetary system and how all of these things affect each other. We need to understand that when we eat certain foods that affects an ecosystem which affects climate, which affects pollution, which affects the air we breathe, the soils, all of these things are interconnected in a positive and a negative way. You know, if we increase the number of flowering plants in our hedgerows, we're, increase, we're, we're improving air pollution, we're improving pollination for other plants, we're, we're therefore increasing the number of insects, which then can increase the number of birds that can feed on them, which, you know, so, so it's, we have these systemic effects through our little everyday practices, and people don't understand that, that connectivity, the fact that it's all part of the system, and that is a huge, huge element missing from our education systems we need to work together to change the world for all of our survival it's not about you know looking for one hero that's going to do this or you know one rich person or anything like that it's about coming together and doing the very many different tasks and big and small actions that make a difference it's about you know realizing that we need to change everything systemically the way we do the way we do everything you know from the way that we eat to the way that we get our energy to the way that we travel around needs to change but not 
not in a way that is bad. You know, this, this could be a much better and fairer world. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.